Hello, and welcome to the Queer Caucus. Three queers. Too many opinions. One, one podcast. podcast. My name is Cassidy Flynn. And I'm Jill Kamler. And this podcast is produced by Jan O'Leary. I can tell you how the story goes. If it dies, we just get old. All together, all alone. All alone, all alone. Like your mother and your father, too. All grown up, but they're just like you. And you're gonna do it all anew. Better run for the hills, run for the hills, run. Hey, Jill. Hey, Cassidy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good pal, good pal. What's going on? What's new in the world of Jill? So, uh, should we introduce like what our queue is? Yes, let's talk about the queue. Cool. So, listeners, we have a really exciting new format for you guys. So, our introduction, we have this thing called a queue. You might have seen something like this, aka your Netflix queue. Or if you're from <laughs> England, you queue up for something instead of stand in line. <laughs> You might have also heard of the word queer or LGBTQ. How funny is it that these things have the same letter, which is the letter Q. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so the way we're going to begin our episodes is we're going to talk about what's in our cues. So that just means what's going on in our lives, specifically like what's our what's our queer obsessions right now? What are we into? What are we thinking? And yes, yeah, yes, yes. kind of all the things that are like in our brains and that we want to like talk about. And mm-hmm. so that's our cue. So right now in my cue, I am just going to say that I've been watching a lot of Carol because um, <laughs> it's like winter. It's like such a fucking Christmas movie. Like it makes me sob. Oh. It, the snow it's so beautiful like the styling of that movie is like impeccable and like the acting is like fucking out of this world Ugh, the fashion too like oh my god and it's so Ugh. so beautiful and so gay so i have been watching that and just like wanting to be rooney mara so fucking bad and mm. wanting to tell all of you all that it's carol season um <laughs> along with that fall is my favorite season for queer fashion like we literally look so good in these clothes like fucking boots and scarves and flannels and plaids all the fucking stuff like cute hats literally fierce that is all also like it's been a year since the election what the fuck that's what's been in my queue right now like damn y'all i kind of wonder like did we die and this is purgatory (laughs) and like (laughs) Or, like, maybe it's hell, actually. Like, do we actually have three more years? What the fuck? That's kind of what's in my queue right now. So what about Uh, you? Oh, what's in my queue? Uh, Well, figuratively, I am knee-deep in West Central California these days. Um, And what I mean there is I'm currently in a... I'm technically not in California. Otherwise, Jill and I would obviously be hanging out. Yeah. Um, This is a double-ender podcast, so we are presently not in the same room. But I am currently in a production of Of Mice and Men by uh, John Steinbeck. We opened last weekend. We only run two weekends, eight shows. Um, pretty small gig, but closes next Saturday. And it's been just super cool and playing Curly. So just another aggressive white man with an insecurity complex. Apparently that's my type. I play that a lot. But it's been super cool. I mean, it's been an amazing ensemble. One of the greatest parts about it is that George and Lenny are both being played by uh, men of color. So what we're doing is we're trying to um, incorporate a new vision for this piece of historic Americana playwriting. The two leading men are men of color. And then we have Crooks, who is in every iteration, he's played by an African-American man. And then Candy, 
who is another character often played by a white man, is being played by a Latina woman. And the reason for that is, so all of these folks work on a ranch in the mid to early 20th century in the Salinas Soledad area in West Central California. So one of my peers who's playing George, his name's Adam Flores, shout out, super cool cat. He did a lot of work in this region, like theatrical work in this region. And he learned that there's a long tradition of Latino women coming up to these ranches in the early 20th century to pass as men and work on ranches to send wow. money back to back to their like homes and families in Mexico. So in the vision of, of reincorporating this new racial narrative into the play, Adam and Carl Overly Jr., who plays Lenny, an amazing Lenny, and uh, Jackie Thompson, the director of the show, the three of them uh, work together to kind of develop the vision. And they really like the idea of making the two lead characters who represent kind of the forgotten man of America. They felt it was important to make these two people men of color. And then they also thought it would be really exciting because if you know anything about the play, you know that Candy ends up kind of getting involved with George and Lenny to basically bust out of this lifestyle, get their own ranch and live by themselves, live off the fat of the land as Steinbeck writes. So there's this kind of independence that they try to strive for. And they were like, yes, like let's make that trio all people of color and not only men of color, but a woman of color who is passing in order to find economic stability in her life. So anyway, that's so cool. I did not know that. Yeah, we it's a it's a sweet sweet ensemble and a really great vision. It's a cool play just in general, like a lovely, a well-written play. Like it's a great book. A lot of people have read various iterations of it, but like it's a text that like you can't you can't read today without being like what is the point? Right? right? Like you, you it's hard to read plays where like you have 11 characters or 12 characters and there's one white woman one mm-hmm. black man and then like nine white men. It's like yeah. ridiculous to think about these stories. How do we think about these stories? Because they have like amazing characters, but the characters have to be able to like ebb and flow with time. So anyway, that is what I'm, that's what's in my queue. I'm also going to Rome in uh two weeks from this Friday. I am oh my so God. fucking stoked. Uh, my friend is Izzy so cool. Grossman and I, I know I'm so excited. Izzy Grossman and I uh, bought some pretty last minute, just like compulsory tickets to Rome. So we're going and I'm so stoked. And I have to hype Jill in all things autumnal clothing. Like I am got, I've got my like ankle high boots. I've got my jeans. I've got my jean jackets. I've got my sweaters. I've got my scarves, all the things. It's great. Um, <laughs> and then I'm also doing a uh, judgment at Nuremberg in April. I booked a show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so that's, that's awesome. in my queue. So question, I want you yes. to tell me, I feel like in Rome, there's going to be a lot of phallic things. So like, I want oh. you to be on the lookout for that and like, let us know, like, What's the queer scene like in Rome? Yes. Well, that was the one thing that we didn't do in London when the two of us went. Oh, we didn't you really ever get to any queer. No. Oh, my God. I'm, I know. I felt horrible. Well, I did find a gaggle of gays that I ended up making friends with and hanging out with. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, shout out to all of my, to Oliver and all the cool gays that I met in London and, like, hung out with for an evening. Oh, my God. But this time around, like, we have to go to some Italian gay clubs. Like, that has to happen. Yes. Also, it has to happen the day that we visit the Vatican. It has to be, like... Hi, Pope. We're, We're so going to the club later. <laughs> That's really yes. Funny. I will also um, when we all revisit the podcast, I will give you all a debrief on not only my cultural experiences in Rome, but also my uh, queer experiences yes. in Rome. Let's hope for some friends and fun times. Yes, I'm so excited for you. That's great. Thanks, pal. 
should we get into our Big Gay Agenda? Yes. Okay. We have named this new portion of the podcast our Big Gay Agenda, where we hit all of the uh, topical topics for discussion. Jill, what is our first topic on our Big Gay Agenda? So our first topic is Kevin Spacey and his sexual assault allegations. So some of you might have already heard this story. Of course, like it's been in the news. There's been a lot of different sexual assault allegations come forward about Kevin Spacey and also about like a ton of other people in the industry. Most of the men. So what happened was he was accused of assaulting a 14-year-old boy in 1986. His name is Anthony Rapp, and he was on Star Trek Discovery. He was an actor. So literally, like, when this allegation came forward, Kevin Spacey said that he was beyond horrified to hear the accusation and that he didn't remember it. He was like, I don't know. Like, maybe that happened. I don't remember. Sorry. Also, I'm gay. So, like, I was in the closet, and that's why. Essentially, what he did is he blamed his closeted identity on his inability to control himself Mm -hmm. which we just want to be real clear is like absolute bullshit that is 100% not the issue here so in the Mm -hmm. industry like in Hollywood and entertainment industry it is fucking a widely known fact that Kevin Spacey is an insidious abusive man like he literally preys on young men a lot of them minors and then it's like a common thing and it's not just this one instance that his behavior is coming to light and like just because this is the first time that he's like publicly claimed that he's gay does not mean he was living in the closet like literally everybody knows that kevin spacey yeah, is gay no, that was like the joke was that why is everyone just now finding out that kevin spacey is right gay? like he has been pretty publicly queer for a long oh, time oh yeah it wasn't that like you missed a headline it was just like you just had to kind of watch as life and time unfolded yeah and you were like oh that's a queer man no we all knew yeah we all knew this isn't that like wasn't breaking news. news i've been no. secretly gay that'd be like if brad pitt were like i'm gay and everyone was like what yeah no right. no, no no Ugh, i think this is so fucking horrific what do you think about it cassidy I think it's horrific. I totally do. I also think, like you said previously, Jill, this is such an interesting time to be observing all of this, like these allegations and allegations just feels like like an empty word, right? Because like they're fucking, they're not, they're probably not just allegations. They are just like, it's not an allegation. Maybe it's an allegation because the courts haven't found him guilty, but these motherfuckers are fucking guilty. Yes, thank you for clarifying that. Like I do not want to make it seem like I don't believe these people and they're just accusations. Right. I think it's just a finicky word. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think ultimately using the word allegation just in general just disarms the victim. Yeah. And that's horrible. My point being though, that like, this is such a unique time because like all of the Harvey Weinstein bullshit is unfolding and there are so many other executives. And then meanwhile, you've got all of the ongoing bullshit at Uber and like all of these other just major corporations and major like capitalist players perpetuating cultures of like sexual misconduct and sexual harassment. So not only is it just very fascinating to observe this recent public statement of sexual misconduct, but I also just think the intersection of this man's sexuality, I also wonder, and please listeners and peer, like don't, I I hope not to like in any way appear that I'm like sympathizing or empathizing with him. I want to just bring up a point. I think there's something interesting, at least the what I've been consuming, of course, I'm one person who only consumes media like this on various platforms so i must concede to the fact that i'm not consuming every piece written about this specific incident but i am getting the impression that this accusation this guilty situation like i completely believe that this motherfucker did this shit and like assaulted a minor oh like several of them several several i completely
completely believe it and I completely denounce it. And I think it's completely abhorrent specifically because this person was a fucking minor and there's statutory rape pieces to this. I also wonder if we think that there's a certain level of hostility that is being met with this because of the nature of him being gay. I guess what I'm trying to say is, do we think there would be a similar or dissimilar level of hostility in response to all of this if Kevin Spacey was straight or Kevin Spacey was a cis woman and the person was maybe an 18-year-old boy? I think we've seen trends in the past where the victim of sexual assault's gender and the gender of the uh, person who does the assaulting, we get different reactions. Yeah. Like there's, a, there's, I mean, there's just a huge, huge narrative in like in media, television, film that like if you've got an 18 year old boy sleeping with his 28 year old female teacher, something about that is like admirable. Yeah, it's like sexy or like, yeah, it's like know, sexy he's like a hero. And, like, fuck yeah. Right, like, right. No. He's, he's like, he likes older women. There's something about that that's like, that's supposed to be yeah. poised, right? But I'm, I'm just curious if that's something that people also see. I see a piece of that. Of course, I'm just recognizing like mm-hmm. an observation, but like, don't get me wrong. This shit is disgusting. He should be locked up. He should never work again. I just wonder if other people see this as well. That's interesting that you mentioned that. Because like my perspective as like a person who's assigned female at birth is that most of the what I've been consuming is about the way that people are responding to the victim as a man versus the victims as a woman. And so Absolutely. what I've been seeing is that people have been commenting on like, how long did it take people to believe this man when he came forward and said, this happened to me. Kevin Spacey did this to me when I was 14. It right. was like once. I'm sure there's been like previous victims, but it's behavior that has been covered up and apologized for and like totally like enabled for like years and years and years since literally like the 80s and before. But at the same time, like, nobody said, oh, I don't believe that guy. Like, that was, like, regretful sex that he, like, wishes that he could take back now. Like, I think maybe as the victim, being a man, it's more favorable. Absolutely, In this yeah. situation, maybe as the yeah. predator as a man, it's, and as a gay man, then maybe that is seen as more insidious than, you know, if it were, if the situation were flipped in any number of ways, gender-wise. So I can see that. That's such a good point. I, I'm really glad, like, we're actually talking about this, because I think that is so fascinating fascinating and I think I think it's interesting that I didn't look at it that way because that's Mm -hmm. so fucking true right like if the victim were a woman there would be such a different response from the public thinking like oh my gosh now how many women are going to come forward and say that this is the case in order like was that motherfucker who like I think he was the one I think it was like Weinstein's lawyers was like they they have this word in the world of law called the like the bandwagon effect or something mm. when like which is a so fucking like horrible and yeah. and, dis- and just disrespectful by nature so full of anyway but yeah there's like this thing called the apparently people refer to it as the bandwagon effect when like one person comes forward about sexual misconduct or sexual al- or sexual assault allegations then like there's this presumption that all of a sudden, like, we're just going to have 15 other people coming forth because they want to get in on a class action suit. Right. Maybe not because they suddenly felt empowered well, that to share their fucking strife. Yeah, Yeah, right. that was like a huge thing in the Cosby trials. People were like, oh, this is just another person trying to get some money. Oh, no, it just, it couldn't possibly be that somebody finally felt like their narrative would be valued because somebody broke the silence. Yeah. Fuck that. Fuck, I fucking hate people. Sometimes it's not even like, oh, these people never came 
came forward. It's these people came forward and somebody said, no one's going to believe you. And so it took and like they gag literally them. years. Yeah. Or they, they signed right. fucking like non-disclosure agreements or like they took a settlement. Ugh. You know, it takes years sometimes for one journalist to build the trust of one person to be like, look, absolutely, I will use your story, but I can't do it with just your story. Like I also need other people. Otherwise, no one's going to believe this. And it no. takes years and years and years and years to uncover that kind of predatory behavior. And it's so fucked up. And it's so fucked up that we had to be like, oh, yeah, who's that one guy who said this and like did this thing? Because there's literally so many of them. I can't even keep them all straight in my head. Like literally in the past like week, I feel like it's been like name after name after name. Victim new, after new name victim. Every day. Yeah, yes. literally. Yes. Chill. Oh my God. I'm just floored. I'm continuously floored. And yet also I'm not floored. Right, right? Like, exactly. I don't mean to sound like, <laughs> I'm so surprised. Like I'm not, I'm not surprised. But I guess one thing that I know we mentioned, but that's like kind of connected to this, but kind of not, is just like, I am so fucking baffled of the legality of a non-disclosure agreement oh, and like gag orders in general. Can we just God. talk about how baffling those are in nature? How in any way is that, I mean, like, I do understand. I think just more on like a, in response to my shock and in response to my anger, I ask maybe like the goddesses and and the makers of the world, like whoever your creator is, I ask your creator, how is this a thing we deal with? How yeah. is this fucking legal? Non-disclosure agreements that literally protect things that happened that were illegal, like, and you can't say anything about it. That's like the opposite of like perjury, right? Like that's what the fuck? Yes. Yes, it is. I don't understand that at all. Like, how how could that be legal that you are legally obligated to not tell anybody about this illegal thing that happened to you? What the fuck? Well, and then I always, I mean, I feel like every day there's a new narrative about, like, somebody trying to write, like, a rule, a policy, a something or other that, in essence, infringes on freedom of speech. Yeah. And how, like, every, for each one of these scenarios, there has to be, like, a different assessment. But at the end of the day, like, I just, I don't understand where the buck stops. Like, where does the buck stop? With non-disclosure or with your First Amendment right? And how yeah. are people in, like, the nuanced legal jargon circumventing your First First Amendment right. Like, granted, I, like, I'm asking this question because I've never fucking read this shit and I've never read a non-disclosure agreement as probably in detail as one of these is written. Of course, we have both signed, not like mm -hmm. um, NDOs about like when we've booked work. Yeah. But like, again, totally different story. I guess I just like philosophically am just still shocked by this. And not, yeah. I guess I'm not, I am, but I'm not. But like, I'm angry about it yeah. and I'm trying to find an answer. Well, I guess somebody in like the legal or maybe corporate world would say is that like, we're not restricting your First Amendment rights because you don't have to take this job. If you don't want to be in this company, you don't have to sign this agreement. This is yes, like the terms yes, of your employment. True. I was listening to a really good episode of CYG this last week and it was talking to two different women who had been uh, recently in the news for challenging sexual discrimination policies mm -hmm. in like the tech world and in like media it was really fascinating it was a really good episode and they talked a lot about what something that i didn't even know existed which was arbitration clauses like when you get mm -hmm. employed somewhere especially a big corporation or a tech industry like that before you're hired you are required to sign this fucking arbitration agreement that says essentially you won't take us to court if anything comes down to like you wanting to sue us you can't sue us you actually have to just take a settlement and never tell anyone about it that's like a huge problem in like yeah. the credit card world too apparently 
money. My understanding is that like a huge issue with MasterCard, Bank of America, a lot of like these big lenders, like credit lenders, I understand that to be a big issue there too. But oh my fucking God. I just was thinking about it and I was like, how many people do I know who have challenged the sexual discrimination they felt in the corporate and tech world? And how many people do I think probably couldn't because of their arbitration agreement? How much of a like a skewed view of that problem do we have because there are probably hundreds if not thousands of people who would be plaintiffs if they could be oh yeah but like oh yeah they're not allowed to be and that's so crazy to me that the public doesn't even know about it because they literally can't yep so crazy it's so fucked ma'am yeah it's so fucked (sighs) any other thoughts on the kevin spacey piece and uh just sexual assault and sexual misconduct in general i mean essentially like you don't fucking get an excuse for any sexual misconduct doesn't matter if you're gay it doesn't matter if you were fucking in the closet doesn't matter if you were dating that person like literally there's no excuse yep yeah doesn't matter if you're oppressed don't oppress others yep oof I'll, I'll never forget when Jill said this to said this in college when we were talking about sexual violence and whatnot. But like parting thoughts, we always teach people how to not get raped. Oh, yeah. We don't teach people how to not rape. And so I think that's just important. Like listeners, if you are responsible for the development or education of anyone, whether you're an educator or a parent or otherwise, if you are not actively and intentionally, I've been saying this a lot lately. If we don't do things with intention in life, then we're not doing them right. So if you are not intentionally teaching the people in your life not to participate in this behavior, you're not serving them. Mm -hmm. Don't tell them how to be safe. That is, in essence, empowering a culture that isn't going to protect them. Yeah. Be intentional about not raping people. Uh, so what's next on our Big Gay Agenda? Big Gay Agenda, November 20th is Transgender Day of Remembrance. Okay, so if you've never heard of TDOR, this was an event that was commemorated in 1999. It was a candlelight vigil held in San Francisco to commemorate the life of Rita Hester, who was murdered on November 28, 1998. So it essentially kicked off the Remembering Our Dad Web project, and it kind of, it's just a day that the transgender and queer community comes together to remember and to honor and demand justice for all the trans lives that were lost this past year and all the trans lives that have been lost in all the years past and and unfortunately the lives that we will continue to lose so rita hester's case like most transgender murder cases was never solved so tdor it's a day that as a queer person is really important to me and i don't identify as uh, a person who is binary trans if that makes sense like if if you're cis and you're like what and you're like listening to this essentially um gender is like a really weird thing and there's so much about it that we don't understand but if i'm simplifying it to you guys we're simplifying this thing to a spectrum um where on one end you have woman and the other end you have man and in the middle you have neither or nothing or both a person who is like oh i'm a transgender woman they identify as a woman right and then a person who's like i'm a transgender man they identify as a man and they were maybe assigned a different sex at birth but their identity is on one end or the other of the spectrum uh, in most cases. For me, I don't feel that way. I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. I still use the word trans for myself sometimes because I don't feel like I'm cisgender, but I just want to clarify that even though I don't feel like I'm a binary trans person, this is still really important to remember that not everybody on this list is, and a lot of them are 
of varying gender expressions and identities. Mm. And anyone who is gender variant is at risk in this world, in this society. So these people on the list were victims of violence based on their transgender identity, usually. Yeah. So yeah, we thought we would read the names on this list today for 2016. And if this is something that it's difficult for you to listen to, then you might want to skip ahead or just be warned. J.W. De Silva. Julia Sophia. Yasmin Montoy. Unidentified woman. W.R. Alexandre. Unidentified woman. Rafael Silva. Shane De Silva. Larissa. H.J. Silva. Pamela Pereira. Unidentified woman. Taina with W.P. Alencar. Hilda A.J. De Silva. Bruniela. Erica W.P. De Arruda. Brenda. Tiffany Rodriguez. Unidentified woman. Femi Oliveria. Adrian Bonek. Sabrina E.S. Sales. Unidentified woman. Idimar M. Leano. Nicole Roca. Pandora Pereira. Diane Brazil. Julia Almeida. Danielle Barbie. Sheila Santos. Lorraine Lorraine. Unidentified woman. Gabriel Figuera de Lima. Paula. Lauendersa. Anna Hickman. Michelle de Souza. Leticia Silva. Alana de Silva Pessoa. Jessica Elsie Meneses. Luana Berasak. Amanda Aruja. Bianca Abravanel. Andijo. Gabriela Rodriguez. Katie. D.S. Barros. M. Morera. Camila Rios. Unidentified woman. Mika P. Da Silva. Maria Ladel Barrio. V. Unidentified woman. Natasha. Unidentified woman. Unidentified woman. Malu. Fabian Hilario. Danny. Bruna Souza. Ketelaine Alves. Giovanna Atanasio. Unidentified woman. Tiago Fernando Batista. Paulette Gonzalez. Alicia. Reina Aleiv. Lorena Reyes. Amphon Kongsong. Andy Kerea. Monica Loera. Jasmine Sierra. Maya Young. Kindari Candice Johnson. Kayona Blakaney. Tyrese Reese Walker. Mercedes Successful. Amos Bidi. Devin Diamond. Deniquia Dodds. D. Wingham. Erica Tierrina. Raylan Thomas. T.T. Sephora. And Crystal Edmonds. So these are the names that have been reported as losses in 2016. That doesn't mean that these are the only people that were lost. Many, many, many victims go unreported and unidentified, unfortunately, and misgendered. So we just wanted to take a few moments to recognize these people and let them know that they're not forgotten. If you're a cisgender person and you're wondering how you can participate, one of the biggest ways, I think, and one of the most important ways, not only just like observing this day, but what are you going to do for the rest of the days of the year to help protect these trans people, particularly these transgender women of color who the vast majority of these losses are. Think about that in your life. What kinds of things can you do to help prevent this kind of violence and educate people about them? Mm, yeah.
So next on our gay agenda is just a little bit of a soapbox on my part. Yes. <laughs> Take it away. Stranger Things. If yes. for any reason you haven't watched season two, stop listening right now. Go do it. I'm about to give some spoilers. I'm giving you a big old warning. <laughs> do not come at me. Do not come in my mentions. I'm letting you know. Don't at me. Yes. Okay, so I am an avid fan of Stranger Things. I fucking love that show. With that being said, I do want to offer some clear criticism for the show. And that criticism is, why doesn't Stranger Things have any gay people in it? Like, literally zero okay and before you like heteros come at me and you're like oh my god stop putting your gay agenda into places it doesn't belong that argument is like literally so hilarious to me because saying that a gay character wouldn't fit into the storyline naturally of stranger things is like so ridiculous uh right but there are literally 10 year olds kissing each other and like finding like romantic things and there's like literally like a fucking love triangle going on like with like 16 year olds so like i don't know it seems to me that there's plenty of room for romance in the show, heterosexual or not. I want to make a point in that this world is a world where, like, a 10-year-old girl can literally move shit with her mind. Right. And there's, like, demogorgons literally running around in the world. There's a fucking upside down. Will is, like, possessed by a shadow monster. Like, this is not a realistic world. Right. I don't care what you say about, like, oh, it was the 80s. Like, people weren't out then. And, like, this is literally a fantasy world. Sure, like, it's magical realism. But, like, the fact that to everybody else to like straight culture like that this stuff is normal but gay people just don't fit in is like so ridiculous to me it's so tired it's so tired are we really gonna believe that like a person being gay or being queer in this in this world would just wouldn't fit but like a demodog does i just don't buy it nope nope also, I have one other conspiracy theory, okay? So, this is in contrast to what I just said, in that I am absolutely inserting a gay character into this show, but I don't think that I'm the only one, so let me tell you why. As we know, in season two, we introduced this character named Billy. So, Billy is the older brother, stepbrother of Mad Max, who is the, like, young redheaded girl that is introduced. So, and he's, like, real fucked up and, like, really violent and scary and, like, probably racist also. So... Billy, if you've seen the show, you know that he is like super into like his image. Like he's very pretty boy, bad boy esque. He spends a lot of time pumping iron and like smoking in the mirror and like looking at his body and like greasing up his like pecs and stuff. He's very, very careful about the way he looks and the way he presents himself. And so I think Billy is gay. I think yes. Billy is a closeted gay character who is about to come out of the closet in season three or he fucking better. So here's why. So the first point I want to make is that, yes, he's very focused on his image and he cares about looking attractive and also very masculine all the time. Most of the other male characters in the show, like, just aren't, or at least they're not shown as being that attentive to their appearance. Steve obviously has a very particular, like, hair care routine that is very cute and funny. The Farrah Fawcett! I love it. That killed me. But, like, it's not the same at all. No, you're totally right. Most of Billy's scenes are really, like, focused on, like, what does he look like? What kind of, like, aesthetic is he putting out at this particular moment or how is he mm. even i would say even performing gender at this moment 
Second point in this theory is that he was very touchy-feely with Steve in the locker room scene. They were like literally both naked. They were showering and he was like touching him in, in a way that like feels very personal and like I wouldn't probably touch a person that I didn't know that well in high school when we were both naked. If oh, I... oh god no. I would be like looking at the floor <laughs> yeah, if like, that ever even happened. I'd be like hiding me. in the stall like let's be real. And then like in the basketball scene like he kind of like body slams him like he's very physical in a way that is interesting to me in the show and also like probably because like he wanted to feel steve's like bod and like he wanted to like press it against him <laughs> yep, <laughs> like yep. i kind of want to oh god yeah i'd sit on both their faces oh my god <laughs> at the same time <laughs> <laughs> oh god i don't know if that could happen but hey i'll try yeah I'll try anything oh once no okay Third point is that his dad, like, during their argument, calls him a faggot, and it's, like, really hurtful to him. Like, he cries afterwards, and, like, it's, like, a horrible argument. Like, it makes me feel, like, extremely sad and upset when I see it. It's obviously a very abusive and violent household for him. It's definitely a specific word choice that the writers put in the show. And I was reading, actually, an interview with Decree Montgomery, who is the mm-hmm. actor who plays Billy, and he was saying that, like, a lot of the language that he uses and his character uses and is used about his character was extremely offensive and by that I think he meant there was a lot more faggot in the original like writing it just didn't make the final cuts that's the only time you hear the word faggot being used against him but I think in the writing there was a lot more present yes yeah I think that's an interesting thing to examine that it was it was a choice they could have used any word and they particularly chose to like use that to hurt him and to let us know that that's something that hurts him right point number four is that earring that's all I just want to (laughs) say Look at the earring. That's all the proof you need. Yeah. Point number five is that, okay, so this is the scene where he shows up at, like, Nancy's door and fucking, like, Nancy's mom's, like, in the bathtub and her dopey husband is, like, snoozing. So she has to, like, run downstairs in her sexy robe and be like, who is it? And then, like, it's Billy and she's like, oh, my God. And he's, like, kind of fucking her with his eyes, like, a little bit. Like, he's really putting, like, heavy sexual energy at her. And it's, like, what kind of, like, 16-year-old boy is, like, good at that? Like, it's very weird to me i think he's overcompensating and doing that with like this huge like masculine sex appeal thing and i think that that's a closet case issue absolutely i think that people in the closet tend to do that they tend to overcompensate in a way that is kind of obvious it draws attention to them and their sexuality in ways that like don't quite fit in with the rest of their like peers in a lot of cases so yeah number six is my final point that i want to leave you with So when he's getting ready, he's getting ready for a date. Uh But we never find out who that date is. Like, we don't know gender. We don't know anything about them, which I think is a pretty specific and deliberate tactic put in by the show creators. So that's what I want to say about Billy being gay. Cassidy, do you have any thoughts about why there aren't any gay people in Stranger Things? I, A, have to completely affirm all of your thoughts and feelings about Billy and this, like, really, really deep conspiracy that's happening. (laughs) Um, because I completely agree in fact I completely empower these choices but yeah I mean I completely agree with you I think specifically the the piece that I thought was so resonant was like if we can make space for all sorts of non-traditional or non-realistic circumstances then where are we drawing the line of like what we make space for and what we don't make space for absolutely I I get that it was the 80s I get that it's this fictional town in Indiana I suppose that my question becomes 
you know, there were gay people that lived in Indiana in the 80s. Mm-hmm. There, there were there were young people who were battling with that internal struggle in the 80s in Indiana. Like, how many more absolutes of realism do you need before you take these things into consideration? And I think another thing that I think we are getting farther and farther away from the idea that, like, LGBTQIA issues are not thematic. Racial issues are not thematic. It's like, race isn't a theme anymore. It's everywhere. Queerness is not a theme anymore. It's everywhere. These are not things that are just like present because you intentionally incorporated it. Like these are things that you have to be thinking about with everything you do because it's a greater vision of diversity that everyone should be striving to be inclusive about. Yep. So again, Hollywood, do better, y'all. Mm-hmm. Duffer Brothers, mm-hmm. I love your work, but do better, y'all. Totally. Like, like I'm not going to lie. Like I was totally into like Nancy and Jonathan like fucking. And also like I kind of wanted to fuck Steve this season. Yeah. Oh my God. I fucking love love Steve Harrington. Oh my god. I hated him in the first season. Now I'm like, oh my god, Steve. They, they redeemed him very well. I would yank the shit out of that hair for sure. <laughs> oh my but, god. Uh, mm. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, like I'm I'm so into the show, but like I want more. Yes. And I want to be able to see myself reflected in fucking television and then my favorite television show. I know. That's not so much to ask. And like I really like that they put Mad Max in. Like I think having like a young girl who is like sort of a tomboy and like fucking loves video games. Like I think that was an awesome choice yes i also think as much as that was an awesome choice they were clearly trying to create a foil but not so foil to 11 Mm. cool you have another badass chick in the game yeah and of course it's like a jealousy thing right you're using it as a device a Mm -hmm. kind of like a woman v woman device which like i'm not here for totally if you're ever creating a romantic narrative amongst cisgender heterosexual people and you use the women to pity guns each other like clearly you're doing it wrong yeah and they're like like, 10 years old like yeah i'm like god quit with these like preliminary issues that you're like bringing into their lives but yeah like as much as I love that they incorporated Mad Max I'm like cool like another white girl who is a badass like I'm not I'm I'm not trying to like minimize the amount of badassery that she encompasses but like come on y'all couldn't have been a woman of color couldn't have been a little gay kid like we couldn't have done anything different Mm -hmm. we couldn't have made the the, I wanted the science teacher really badly to be a gay guy like I wanted that oh he wasn't no he, he was dating that one lady in the first season oh there's like a scene where like they call him late at night it's like the second to last or last episode of the first season Dustin calls him and he's like how do you make like a sensory sensitive oh, right. um, uh, pool uh-huh. and he's like oh well you'll need a shit ton of salt you'll need water and like he breaks it down for him but he's at home with like a woman and albeit she is a woman of color she was like a presumably oh. Asian woman like, like I was like come on y'all we could have made him gay there are things that I was yeah I was hoping for like moves in certain yeah. directions in certain places but yeah um, and I also want to say like with my Billy conspiracy theory like I think that if the showrunners are making this choice that Billy is gay then I think they need to make a stronger one yeah why make me have a conspiracy theory like why don't we just this is a part of the character right he's struggling with it or maybe he's not fucking struggling with it like maybe the rest of the world is struggling with it around him like you know what I mean so yeah I think it's cool that I was able to like find these clues but I'm a queer person and I'm an expert like I told six people about my conspiracy theory and they were like (laughs) no and I was like listen the fuck up I'm the one who is queer here like I know what the small minutia of being queer is like and I can see this in this character it shouldn't be that hard sure like I love subtle things in shows but I think we need to make stronger choices here yeah yeah so that's our that's our big gay agenda thanks for listening absolutely
All right, so now we're gonna get into assisting others. The question for the week is bisexuality. Bisexuality is such a misunderstood topic. Do you feel like a person who has only had hetero experiences could still consider themselves bisexual? Say they haven't had an experience because of fear, not finding the right person, etc. Hope this makes sense. Love the podcast. Thank you so much for submitting your question, friend, and like all of your various curiosities. We love you, whoever you are. But Jill, do you want to take a stab at responding to a question about bisexuality? Totally. I may not be the exact right person to speak on this question, but I'm going to do my best because I am a person who does not identify as exclusively gay, although I use that term a lot for like an umbrella term, but whatever. So Mm. absolutely, you can identify as bisexual no matter the fuck what. A person's sexual orientation doesn't depend on their sexual experiences. Just think of it this way, like straight people don't fear calling themselves straight because they haven't had sex or dated anyone yet. There's no like field exam that you have to take before having the right to call yourself bisexual. Like that doesn't exist. So what? Whatever you want to say and whatever you want to claim is your absolute right and whoever is not respecting that or maybe making you fear that you can't make that claim or that statement, they are the person in the wrong in the situation and they're not supporting you and the people in your life should support you no matter what. So yep. I just also want to make one slight caveat to that and that is, of course, if you feel more comfortable like refraining from you know claiming a term or a piece of language because you're still questioning things and exploring the right language language or identity even like absolutely that's your prerogative as well so just because you're wondering if you're bisexual and I'm like fuck yeah you are like that's not what I'm trying to say it's just that if you think you are then you know you have the right to be that no matter what but it's also still perfectly okay to be like figuring it out it's also okay to like change your mind in terms of like what word feels best for you like if you like come out as bi and then like maybe in a couple years you're like you know that doesn't really feel right anymore like I believe that sex sexuality can be organic and it can not change necessarily but I think that our identities are less rigid than we want to believe and a lot of people find that after time goes on certain words fit a little bit uh, less comfortably than they used to Mm. the people in your life should also be supporting you if you have any changes or like updates that you want to make and that goes for your gender too like and your pronouns or anything about you so yeah that's my answer how about you right on yeah I completely agree with everything you just said I also think a point that you were uh, hitting but like I just want to be really frank with let's just like dispel this myth about sexual orientation real quick so we can assign the physical intimacy or sexual activity that we participate in to uh, a myriad of different impetuses or like reasons our sexual experiences and physical intimacies do not have to specifically align with a sexual orientation or the orientation that we subscribe to so for example my more central attraction is to men I say this because I am in fact attracted to men more than uh, women or any or anything else but I myself have had sex with a woman I say just one woman but like I have had sex with a woman before and it was great it was super cool as a friend of mine like we loved it but anyway but yeah like I have participated in sexual intercourse with someone that you may not expect if you know who I am as a gay man but that's just it like my point being I have had sex with both men and women like granted I've had sex with like several men and 
one woman. But my point being is like, just because I've participated in sex, physical intimacy with a woman, you might thusly, you know, conclude that my sexuality or my sexual orientation would fall somewhere in the scope of bisexuality. But I don't in any way identify as bisexual. I think this gets to the greater point being that the spectrum of sexuality is not just a spectrum of the types of sexualities, but it's also various components that intersect with sexuality, mm -hmm. being gender or the purpose of your intimacy or the nature of your attraction. All of these various components intersect with every single type of sexuality, which is the great spectrum in and of itself. So as much as we think of spectrums as being just like, it's this scale and it only moves laterally, like it only moves from like heterosexual to homosexual and there are all sorts of things in between. It's not that. No. It's definitely that, but it has like all sorts of layers and it's three dimensional and you have to always consider sexuality in context of like time and place and who you are. So my greater point being, yes, if you identify as bisexual, regardless of the fact that you've only participated in, in sexual activity or sexual intercourse with one sex or one gender, cool. Like that's who you are. And that's who you are because that's who you said you are. Words are powerful. And as long as you own whatever truth that is, no one can take that away from you. Absolutely. Thanks for asking. And like, thank you so much for Yay. trusting us with your question. Thank you. So this is the part of the show where we want to thank some of our listeners for writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts is like essentially the boardwalk empire of the Monopoly versus like podcasting world. So <laughs> it's really important to helping us reach more listeners. So the way that you increase your chances of being seen is if you have like a high ratio of positive reviews and subscribers. And we know that like a lot of our listeners, we subscribe or listen to us on different platforms like SoundCloud or Spotify or Android or anywhere that you get your podcasts. But for this particular shout out, we want to give shout outs to anyone who is written this review on Apple Podcasts. So our first review is by Sophia Coble, and we just want to give you a shout out. Thank you so much for reviewing us. If you want to be featured on the podcast, then head on over to Apple Podcasts and find The Queer Caucus and write us a review. Yay! Please leave us a review, y'all. As much as Jill and I love this and we do this for ourselves, we want to make sure that if anyone feels empowered or excited by this content, that they can find it. So help us by spreading the word and subscribe, stream, and share. Yeah, thank you so much. Jill, any final thoughts? I mean, no, I'm good. I think I'm just here to be queer. Just here to be queer. Here to live in the queer sphere. Absolutely. Great episode. Yeah, you too, baby. All right, y'all. I'll see you in the queer sphere, Jill. See you in the queer sphere. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Queer Caucus. Three queers. Too many opinions. One, one podcast. podcast. My name is Cassidy Flynn. And I'm Jill Campbell. And this podcast is produced by Jan O'Leary. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the queer sphere. See you in the queer sphere.